If you have your Bibles, go ahead and be turning to Job chapter 42. Uh, this is the last chapter uh, of this book. Uh, we've skipped just a few chapters. Uh, we just skipped uh, 41. Uh, that was God once again addressing Job about his power. Um, and since God started speaking in chapter 38, um, everything he has said or presented to Job thus far is about his power and about Job questioning his power. And what we're going to see here in, in chapter 42 is Job coming to grips with finally, and I think he gets some peace out of this. Um, I think that to me that's a, uh, a big thing that uh, Job actually receives is some peace, not to the question of why, Job never gets that answer. Uh, but realizing he doesn't need that answer. I'm telling you, that's the only way we'll ever find peace, I believe, as Christians. To understand that it's not about figuring out every step. It's not about figuring out everything that we think God should do when it comes to his uh, power and uh, knowledge that's far beyond anything we can even comprehend and, and that's the problem God couldn't explain it to Job where he could understand it anyway it, it, it's so far beyond what Job and even ourselves are able to comprehend so what do we do we go back to a, a small child state and that ch small child state is the fact of we have a loving father that has earned every bit of our trust. And we have to trust that he knows what he's doing, that he's right every single time. Um, and how we see things in the world, it's hard to see it because all we can see is what's right in front of us. All we can see is what we're going through. And I, I think that clouds our judgment of who God really is. And that's, that's what Job... That's the realization I believe that Job had to come to, is God's power is far beyond anything he can comprehend. And here's the thing. Job knew God, didn't he? He had a relationship with God. But as we're going to see here in chapter 42, Job is finally seeing God. He's finally seeing what he needs to. He, he had a relationship. He, he knew to the extent that he was able to know. But what he's understanding now transcends any of that. Uh, to the point that uh, that's the, again, I think that's the only way he could find peace is come to that realization that God is more powerful, more knowledgeable than we can comprehend. And we're insignificant. When it comes to him. You know who, who is man that you take knowledge of him. That you, that you notice him. That you care for him. We're, we're so insignificant when it comes to that. But yet God loves and cares and protects. And, and wants us to succeed. That's the kind of loving God that he is. And, and again I think that's what Job is seeing here. So we're going to start here in chapter 42. And hopefully we'll get through, through the chapter tonight. Uh, starting in verse 1, it says, Then Job answered the Lord and said, this is after 
God gave him another lecture and speech on how powerful he is. And uh, wanting Joel, really, can you explain this? Can you describe this? Can, do you have this kind of power? You know, all of these things. Now listen, listen to what Job says here, starting verse 2. He says, I know that you can do everything and that no purpose of yours can be withheld from you. You ask, who is this who hides counsel without knowledge? He says, therefore I have uttered what I do not understand, things too wonderful for me which I did not know. Listen, please, and let me speak. So Job starts out here by saying, you want to know who comes before you? I come before you not able to understand, not able to comprehend, things too wonderful for me to even know. Job is now realizing this goes beyond the physical. This goes beyond his physical pain, his physical distress, his emotional distress. This, this, this goes far beyond that. Job's realizing he's not even uh, in a position that it's not really about him. That, that's what he's having to realize. Yes, these things happen to me. These things happen around me. But in the scheme of things, it's not even about me. It's about the whole picture. You know, uh, again, we think of things just right in front of us, but we have to think for the good as a whole. We have to think of things in the whole. And, and sometimes in doing that, we realize in, in, the, in the scheme of things, it may not be pleasant for me to go through it, but there's blessings in it. There's blessings for me, there's blessings for those that are around me, there's blessings, uh, uh, there's so much more, I can't even put it into words, I've been trying to think all, all, all week on how, how do I in my mind and, and be able to convey what Job has realized. I mean, he's having like an aha moment here. But all he can say to God is, that's too wonderful for me to understand. It's things that I can't possibly know, and I'm realizing that. I'm realizing I'm wanting answers, but I can't handle those answers. Those answers are far beyond me to understand anyway, so it's really about God, and it's about bringing glory to God. It's about giving Him honor, giving Him praise. And Job is realizing he wasn't doing that like he thought that he was. He thought he was staying faithful to God and God was, he couldn't figure out why God was doing this and now he's coming to a, a, a different realization here. He said, listen please and let me speak. So he's always wanted this, this face to face as it were with God so he could contend with God. But now he's telling God, if you'll just let me speak, my, my whole demeanor's changed. Everything about this whole situation is changing for me. He said, you said, I will question you and you shall answer me. Verse 4. Verse 5, I've heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eyes see you. Now think about that. Joe said, I've heard of you with my ear. I, what, what do you think he means by that? I mean, God even put him up on a pedestal and talked about how righteous he was, how devout he was. And then Job here is saying, I've heard of you, but, but I've never really seen you. What do you think he means by that? Any idea? It's like uh, somebody was telling you how majestic the mountains would be and the last of the hill. So when you ask where he is, he's still. 
Yeah, it, it's like uh, it, it's like if uh, it's like if somebody wanted to know me, and somebody gave them a picture of me. Could they recognize me when they seen me by that picture? Depends on how old the picture is, I guess. <laughs> but okay, you you take a picture. Somebody takes a picture of me. And you've never met me, but they give you that picture, and, and somebody studies that picture. What can they learn from that picture? Can they learn anything? Could they pick me out of a crowd? Yeah, they, they could pick me out of the crowd. They could kind of tell what I look like. They can kind of tell, you know, by my surroundings in the picture, maybe kind of guess who I am. There, there's things that they can know, but does that picture truly show who I am? They, they can never know by that picture. I, I kind of look at that. That's how Job is, is here now. God, I, 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 I heard of you. In other words, he, he's listened to God. He was making... Uh, what was he doing when we were introduced to Job? Remember what he was doing? He was offering sacrifice for his children. So he, he knew what God wanted... He knew how to follow God. There, there's a lot that he knew about God. But I think he's saying here, you know, I, I heard you, but now I actually see you. It's almost like my wife tells me a lot. You know, she's talking to you. Are you listening to me? Oh, yeah, I'm listening to you. I'm listening. And then guess what she does again? She'll stop. She'll say, no. Stop. Stop thinking what you're going to say next. Start, stop. Are you listening to me? And then I just stop what I'm thinking and stop thinking about what I'm going to say, and I actually listened to her. Then I realized, yeah, I wasn't really listening before. I heard her, but I wasn't listening. You see the difference in that? I think this is kind of that, that picture. There's, there's, all we know about God is what He reveals to us, right? There's not one thing that we know about God that He doesn't reveal to us. If He doesn't reveal it to us, we don't know. Now, we can do like Job's friends did. We can speculate. We can draw conclusions. We can, based on tradition, based on what we see, we can kind of put all this together in a pile and come up with a picture of God, of what we think He is, based on that and based on what He reveals to us. But it's still not the true picture. We, we still don't know everything that there is to know. And matter of fact, we'll take what we think and what we hear and apply that and sometimes get farther away from Him if we're not careful, because we start adding to what he says, and it actually goes more away from him than it does to him. And that's what was happening here when Job's friends were, were talking to him, and that's what Job was struggling with. But now Job is saying, now I see you. Now, does Job have the full picture? No. But he's got enough of the picture now to come to grips with what he's going through, come to grips with what he has, has faced, to realize, because see, what he's going to realize here is his, his main complaint was, of course, wanting to know why. But remember what he said in chapter 23? I go to the left, I go to the right, I go forward, I go back. And what did he say? I don't see him. I can't perceive him. He's realizing even though he can't perceive him, God was always there. And that's what he was really wanting to get to was to feel that relationship again. He felt cut off from God. But he realized his circumstances didn't cut him off from God like he thought it did. Somebody say something? So 
what you have is you, you've got Job once again, I believe, coming to that conclusion. And, and I tell you, this is something I think all of us as Christians need to have that kind of moment. That kind of moment to where when we think we just can't take any more, we think we can't go through any more, we have to ask ourselves, why is it we think that? Well, I don't understand it, so it's too overwhelming. I don't know why it's too overwhelming. I can't feel God in this, so it's too overwhelming. If we take all of those notions out, and that's what Satan was, was using, he was using Job's friends to, to plant that seed in there. From the very beginning he did that, didn't he? Remember with Eve? Did God really say that? He only wants you to be... He, what he did, all he did was plant a little seed in there of doubt. A little seed of doubt to where just take a little bit to change what God really said. And in essence, that's what Job's friends did, didn't, he? didn't they? They took a right principle and applied it in a wrong way that caused Job more distress because it piled on to where, no, that can't be right. God can't do that to me. He's not going to do that to me. See, just planting that little doubt, little by little. And again, uh, I think he's realizing it here. So notice what he says when he says, But now my eyes see you, therefore I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. Now, I didn't really think about this as much until I got to reading more on it and heard, read a lot of different comments on it. Uh, I didn't realize there's so much description, uh, discrepancy on this verse, whether Job repented or not. Um, I'm not a Greek scholar. I'm not a Hebrew scholar. I don't claim to be. Um, I tried to go back and study the word repent in, in this context. I can see where some get it. I don't know if I believe it this way or not. But some say he's, he's not really repenting like we think repenting. That he didn't do anything wrong because God didn't condemn him. Uh, he questioned. He, he done all this. Remember, and we're going to see it here in just a few minutes, it's, it's Job's friends that God condemns, not Job. So Job didn't really have anything to repent of. Then why did he say he repented? Well, if you go back to the original context and the original language, it's, I want myself to be in a different situation. And in essence, that's what repentance is. Repentance is a change, Right? Repentance is changing from one thing, just like conversion. Changing from one thing to the next. Turning from something and turning to something else. Many scholars, smarter than me, say that that's what Job is saying. My thought process was wrong, and I'm changing my thought process to put me in a different position. Well, technically, is that repenting? Well, yeah. Is he repenting of sin? Uh is that repentance tied to sin? I don't really know. I'll be honest. Uh, you're not seeing it from God's side, but you're seeing it from Job's side. Um, you know, I kind of look at it like, have you ever felt like you wouldn't doing exactly what you should do as a Christian and prayed to God for forgiveness of that? Not that you necessarily did a particular sin that you know about, but you just felt like you wasn't in the right place that you needed to be and you needed to be better. Well, yeah, that's repenting. Uh, is it a particular sin? Is it a particular thing? I don't know. 
But I do know, I think either way you look at it, it still applies to Job. Job realized he's in one position. He wants to be in a different position. He said, I abhor myself. He's realizing that his, his outburst, his, his feelings, his, you know, maybe Job took it too far in his outburst. Um, or he felt like he did. And he said, I just, I'm at a place now I don't want to be at. I want to be in a different place. I felt like that as a Christian, hadn't you? I felt like I wasn't in the place that I needed to be, that I, I didn't handle a situation like I should have handled it. I thought it should have been one way, and it, it wasn't that way. I got discouraged. I, I, I questioned. Not, I didn't go through anything like Job went through, but I, I've gone through some similar emotions that Job has gone through of, I thought I had this figured out, and I don't. I, 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 I was convinced it was this way, and it's not. And, and that disturbed me so much that, that I had outburst in my mind, mostly, with my, you know, with, with my emotions. And I think that's the place that Job's at. It's this, it's this realization process of going through. And just think of his process. His process went from... Uh, blessed, everything's going good, his concerns for his children, he's doing what he should do, all this comes on him, he, he, he's, he's trying to hold on with all of his might, he, he, he's trying to keep it together, he said, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away, naked I came into this world, naked I'll leave, I'm going to take it with my chin held high, and it just keeps coming, and he, that chin gets a little lower, that chin gets a little lower, till you're on a, a, a dust heap here, and you're scraping bulls off, and and your skin is just clinging to you, you're having nightmares, you're, you've got a fever, you've got all these things going on to where you're almost delirious, and you just think, I can't hang on anymore. I've gone as far as I... And I believe that's why God come in here now. I think Job had gone as far as he could go. I think he was about to break. And what does, what does the Bible say? What does God say when it comes to putting something on us? Bird? Oh, yeah. Maybe I don't think I can handle them, but I can handle them because yeah. the Lord said He's not going to give us more than we can handle. Yeah, that's exactly right. And, and God knew what Job can handle, even if Job didn't. Yeah. And Job, I think, was getting close to his breaking point. And that's where I think that's when God came in. I think God was there the whole time. Even though Job couldn't perceive him, God was still there because he was the one allowing this to certain limits of Satan. But uh, I think what's going to be interesting is, as we see this unfold, especially here at the end, is the fact of uh, the, how he does get through this at the very end, what God does for him and what God doesn't do. Uh, and I think sometimes we mislead Job's blessing, we, we're misled sometimes by our own thinking and what we think it says of Job's blessings in the end. Uh, Job got through it, and yes, Job was blessed 
you know, beyond measure here at the end, but it may not be quite what we think it is, uh, and Job still deals with that also. Uh, but notice here verse 7. And so it was, after the Lord had spoken these words to Job, that the Lord said to Eliphaz the uh, Temanite, My wrath is aroused against you and your two friends, for you have not spoken of me what is right, as my servant Job has. Um, there's a couple things with this. Uh, this verse kind of makes me wish we didn't skip over the chapter of Elihu talking, because he, he doesn't mention Elihu here. He says him and his other two friends, and there's actually four people that spoke to Job. Um, and I encourage you to go back and read Elihu's words because Elihu was more on point of, of what God is but still rebuking Job. Um, and maybe Elihu was part of God's spokesman of, of coming into this. I don't know. But, but here God says, you've not spoken the right way of me like my servant Job has. So a couple things here from these two verses. If Job was repenting of sin, then... God forgave him and remembered it no more and said, he's not spoken anything bad about me. Or Job was just saying, I, I want my position to change because I don't like where I'm at as far as how I was feeling and what I was going through. And, and God is saying, yeah, you're right. Your friends were wrong. You were right all the time, Job. You, you've not spoken wrong against me. Now, Job did say, he didn't accuse God as far as wrongdoing but he did say God was he couldn't figure out why God was doing this to him and God doesn't ever say I wasn't the one doing it was God doing it Satan was the one actually doing it but God was allowed gave him permission and even encouraged him to that's hard to grasp isn't it <laughs> that's hard to think that a loving God would do that um but, but Job lived a full life through this, so God is always right. He's either wrong or he's right, and God's always right. So even with the story we have and the backstory and everything about it, it's still hard, hard to grasp. But God is, is chastising the friends here saying, you didn't, you didn't say about me what's right. Everything you said was wrong. Now again, their principle was right. You know, the principle part of it, and they could make some examples of where that would fit, but the specifics of what it was is wrong. And, and to me, if, if I don't get anything else out of this story, this part scares me the most. It, it, it worries me that I think I know more about God than I really do, and that gets me in trouble. But what really worries me, and I think back of advice that I've gave individuals that were struggling, of, of things that I tried to say to bring comfort. And I try to think back what I said. Did I misapply God? You know, did I, did I take principle, take what I've seen, take some traditions that I've been taught, some things I've read in Scripture, roll that all in and come to a conclusion and give that as fact? That's what their friends did. I don't think they did it as malicious I don't, I don't think they did it to harm Job. I think they truly believed it. I think they were trying to help Job, give him some tough love to, here's what you need to do because this is why it's happening. See, that's where the danger is. This is why. They didn't know why, but they said they did. When they could have said, I don't know why this is happening, but we're here with you to go through it with you. 
What else could you really say? Just be there with them. But, but God is, 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 is going to, for them now. But notice what he tells them. Uh, verse 8. Now therefore take for yourselves seven bulls and seven rams. Go to my servant Job and offer up for yourself a burnt offering. And my servant Job shall pray for you. For I will accept him lest I deal with you according to your folly. Because you have not spoken of me what is right as my servant Job has. Now, boy, that's, that's packed with a powerful punch, this, this verse is. Job, at the very beginning, remember, he's making sacrifice for his children. Now, what he's, now what's he going to do? He's going to offer sacrifices, what they, his friends bring him, and offer sacrifices to God on their behalf. But notice what God does all the way through this. My servant Job, my servant Job, my servant Job, my servant Job. How do you think they liked hearing that? They didn't think Job was a servant of God because they thought he sinned. They thought he had done wrong against God. That's why God was punishing him. But God here over and over and over says, My servant Job. That, that, that had to be a little hard to get. Now, to their credit, they do exactly what God says. They, they take it to Job. And, and do what God says to get back in a good relationship with God. But I, I think God is proving a point, maybe to Job, but especially to his, his friends here, Job is still my servant. My servant. That, that shows what God thinks his relationship with Job is. Even, Job, even though Job thought that relationship was severed, even though Job couldn't understand why they didn't have a relationship again, going through all of that, I think God is letting him know, you're still my servant. You're still it. Man, that had to be comfort. That, that had to be music to his ears. And that had to be hard, I think, hard to hear. Maybe, maybe his friends now are having that aha moment of, you know, he don't go into a lot of detail with them other than, you said wrong, Job was right. Job spoke right about me. But think back again what Job said. God's doing this. God's doing this. God's doing this. And God said he spoke right. So do we still know why God was doing this? Why this was happening to Job? After all this study that we've done up to this point, do we still know, do we know why? I believe the closest answer we get is at the beginning of the book. When, when, when all of them are gathered together, you know, they're, as it were, reporting to God. Satan says, I'm going to and fro on the earth, and we know what he's going to do, wreak havoc, walking around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And while he was doing that, God said, by the way, have you considered my servant Job? Who's he trying to prove something to? Does God need to prove anything? I think he's showing Satan. I think he's showing... Well, I, I truly believe he's showing Satan here. My people, my children will serve me. Now, will Satan get some? Yeah. But my true followers will serve me if they lose everything. Because that's really what true faith is, isn't it? 
True faith is, if I lost everything today, would I still be faithful? Would my love still be true for God? Now, we know this in a physical sense. What's the preacher say to a couple at a wedding? Sickness and in health. Richer, poor, till death do you part. Well, what's the reason for that? Yeah, the reason for that is, is, is this love more than a feeling or is it a choice? Do you choose to love this person no matter what? And I tell you, I really get into that part when, if I'm doing premarital counseling, and, and I, I always go the opposite way. I said, sickness and in hell. How sick or how healthy? Because I've seen people separate for both reasons. One gets sick, so the other leaves them. One get real healthy inside that they don't need this other person anymore. They're going on to better, greener pastures. So how sick, how healthy? You, you could leave here at the church building, get married, walk out there, get in a car, and turn out there on 56, have a car wreck. One of you be paralyzed. Five minutes after you get married. You know, boy, won't it be fun doing marriage counseling with me? <laughs> you know, I throw all these scenarios out here. And all I'm trying to say to, to get them to understand is, Love's a choice that you make. This is like when the Bible says, older women teach younger women to love your husband. You can't teach love, the warm fuzzy feelings, can you? You can't teach somebody to feel that way, but you can teach someone to act that way, to be devoted, to make a choice. And that's what we do as Christians, don't we? We make a choice. We choose to love God because He loved us and he showed that choice by sending his son dying for us. John 3 tells us, shows us that. So that's, I think, what he's showing to Satan here. Job's chose to serve me and love me, and he will. He won't serve me for nothing like you think he will. Like you think he won't, rather, is what God was telling Satan. So I think that's what, to me, after seeing all this, that, that's the moral of the story is Satan won't win if I stay true to God, no matter what he does. I can throw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in here. You know, when they go in the fiery furnace, when he tell, they tell the king, you know, our God is able to, to save us, but if not, we'll still not bow down to you. And it says King Nebuchadnezzar's face, his countenance changed. Why? He lost. You can't win now. There's no way that he could win. If they die in the furnace, they die faithful. If God saves them, he's still glorified because other people see it. Either way, God wins. It really didn't matter at that point. And that's exactly what he's showing Satan with Job. You're going to lose in the end. True devotion, true love, true faithfulness. You can't beat that. You just can't beat that. And I think that's what he's showing through that. Uh, God knew it. But I don't know if Job knew all that he could handle. And I'm certain Satan didn't. See, we give Satan more power than he's got. I, I truly believe Satan thought, I'll get him. I can get him. And he's going to be eating a lot of crow here in just a few minutes <laughs> when he sees what happens to Job here in the end. Job's right back where he was to begin with. When Satan found him, when Satan brought all of this on him, he was making sacrifices for someone else, being that, that go-between. And at the end, he's back in the same spot.
All of that, Satan didn't accomplish a thing. Now we can go to a whole lesson of how this is, uh, this could be like Jesus. This is a foreshadow of how Jesus was. You know, look at all that Satan threw at him and didn't accomplish a thing. Not one thing. And Jesus was the go-between with us. So we could have several lessons on how that is. I, I, I try to keep it more on a, a, a personal individual faith part of how does this help me with my faith? It helps me to realize Satan don't have the power that I think he does. And it tells me God has more power than I assumed he did. So I was wrong on both, both parts. And I think understanding both of those things can help me be a more faithful Christian. I, I know it did with Job. And I, I think each one. And, and somebody was telling me right before uh, we got up here tonight how you know, somebody could teach the book of Job. You could line up ten people teaching the book of Job, and each person will teach it different based on their life experiences. And I think that's absolutely true. But I think it even goes farther than that, and I, I hope this lesson, these series of lessons shows this. I think each individual Christian can read the book of Job based on their experiences and help them through. I think that's the point of it. I, I think that's the point of the book of Joel. Every single person could read it and get a different message out of it. But the same conclusion at the end is God's all-powerful. God's always there even when I can't see Him. And I think that's what can help us each out of our own struggles that we have. Let's go a little bit farther here. I'm not going to get none if I don't go on. Uh, Verse 10, and the Lord restored Job's losses when he prayed for his friends. Indeed, the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. Then all his brothers, all his sisters, and all those who had been his acquaintances before came to him and ate food with him in his house. They consoled him and comforted him for all the adversity that the Lord had brought upon him. Each one gave him a piece of silver and each a ring of gold. Now the Lord blessed the latter days of Job more than his beginning, for he had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, 1,000 yoke of oxen, and 1,000 female donkeys. He also had seven sons and three daughters. Now notice, blessed him twice as much as he was before. You see all of his donkeys, all his servants, all his camels, how twice as before, and he had the same amount of kids. Now think about that. He had double everything else, but he had the same amount of kids. You ever think why? Just because the others passed away, they were still his children. They were still his children. So he, he did double his children. The ones that died didn't quit being his kids. And they certainly couldn't replace those, could he? And, and that's what I guess sometimes I don't see in this until I really got to thinking about it is I think, well, in the end, Job was far better off than he was to begin with, but he still lost his children. I think that's still why they're comforting him. I don't think that pain goes away. Now, I'm not speaking from experience, and I hope you never hear me speak out of experience of that. But I couldn't imagine that that pain would go away. I can't imagine that thought process would go away. So even how he's blessed, even though he went through it, there's still scars. There, there, there's still pain that Job has to move on with, and he still lives a full life. But God didn't bring those kids back from the dead, so he still lost them. 
Um, so when you think of what God actually gave him, and Job didn't ask for it back, did he? He didn't say, okay, God, if you'll just do this for me, then everything will be fine with me again. God did this because he wanted to. He cared for Job, not because Job demanded it, not because Job asked for it. But I think to show that he cared. Um, I read, and I don't even remember where I read it now. Uh, I, I was reading different things that uh, some said on this particular part. And one of them said it's like a father or a parent giving their children something, rewarding them, giving them something because you want to, not because, okay, you did this or asked for this and I'm giving this to you because you asked because I feel obligated. God's not doing this because he felt obligated to Job. God's doing this because he wanted to for Job. Um, that he cared for Job. He loved Job. And I, I think as we, as we see this you know, coming to a close, you know, it's... Yes, he, he blessed him. Job has more possession. Job lives a full life, and it even says he lives a full life. Um, verse 16, and we'll skip down to it. It says, After this, Job lived 140 years and saw his children and grandchildren for four generations. So Job died old and full of days. Uh, one interpretation of this last verse, Job living for full, full of days, is Joe lived to where he was ready to die. He lived all that he wanted to. He lived all that he needed to. He was satisfied in his life, and then he died. Now, you, you, you take that and go back to when he was wishing he was never born. He was praying that that day be wiped off the calendar. He, he was wanting to die for a whole different reason. Now, he's ready to die and wanting to die because it's just the next step that he's going to take. He, he's, he's lived full days now. See, see the, the, the whole circle of things here? You know, God had brought him through all of, all of that and, and brought him to the end of his life to where he could see all of these things that he needed to see to where he could say, it's not that I want to die, it's just that I'm ready to. I have no reason to keep living because I've done everything I needed to. Now that's a blessing within itself, isn't it? To be able to say that, to live that long, to live to that full, even after going through the things that he went through. Um, so I hope each one of you, I, I can come up with a summary and say, this is what it means, this is the only thing you should take out of it, but I can't do that. I know what I take out of this book. And I've tried to convey the things that I've seen in it. But I think each one of you probably takes something different. Um, and maybe it will help us to be a little more faithful tomorrow. And a little more faithful because maybe we're a little more peace. Maybe we realized, you know, we're not this great majestic being to where we know everything. But we do know whom we believe in, as Paul said. Remember? Paul said, but I know whom I believe in. And if I know whom I believe in, it doesn't, the rest of it doesn't matter. Because that's all that does matter. And I hope we can keep our faith in God no matter what we go through. Any final thoughts? Bill?
called Job's Daughters. Yes. Yeah. I've never heard that. Hmm. Did they do certain things or Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Huh. 